in school when you would fill out what your parents did for a living, I would write trimmings not knowing what the heck it was. When they opened up the window in the sweatshop, I used to go play on the roof. It's not a great place where you get to play. I said, God, let the morning come quick so I can go to my sewing machine. I think I'm nuts. Hello and welcome to Sewing Community, the podcast where local Westchester area residents share their life in fabric and thread. I'm your host, Aaron Page, Director of Folk Arts at Arts Westchester, the officially designated Arts Council for Westchester County, New York. For the last several months, Arts Westchester has been teaming up with Amanda Browder, a Brooklyn-based fabric artist, to transform our nine-story building of White Plains into a cascading, colorful fabric installation. All of the stories heard in this podcast were collected from individual volunteers who've been involved in the building of this monumental work of public art. While the project is currently on hold because of COVID-19, our hope is that the stories shared here will in some small way sustain and deepen the social fabric of our sewing community. This week's episode features Valerie Miller-Villafame and Marianne Ciccatelli as they discuss the power of fabric and quilting across multiple generations. I was born in Minnesota, grew up in South Dakota, came out here almost 30 years ago, and in both my family and my husband's family, I become the keeper of fabric. So as older women are getting close to end of life and know that they want to pass on their prized fabric onto someone that actually cares, I get both the fabric and, and the china. It's a real treasure to have that. I've got my husband's grandmother, a little Singer sewing machine that she used to sew matching dresses for her and her sister. I have some of the fabric scraps of that. To me, it's relaxing, it's comforting. You can actually do something that stays done as opposed to the day jobs that all of us have. We can work on something, you wind up having to address it again, do it over, bring people in for alignment. But with fabric, once you finish a volance, a quilt, a bed covering, a skirt, it stays done. And it's a very gratifying feeling. One of the pieces that's out here, part of it was made into a tea cozy for a friend of mine that's British and was despairing of Americans not having tea cozies. There's something wrong with Americans. So I had made a big round tea cozy with a ribbon to tie around so she could uh, keep her teapot hot. And other pieces just have little memories of it. There's scraps left over from when I made little pinafores for my nieces. They loved pink and purple. Now they hate it as teenagers. They think it's despicable that anyone would have loved those colors. I've got planet fabric that my mom had gotten for my son to make a quilt that he still uses in the summertime. The matching green fabric that was pillowcases in the underside of the quilt. There's not enough to do anything like a full quilt, but there's enough for this project. There's also burgundy red with gold stars that I had used to make a teepee for my nieces. And there was too little left to make anything else that's in one of the panels. So it's amazingly gratifying to walk in here and see fabric and go, oh, that was in Heather's pinafore. Oh, that's in so-and-so's. And now it's gonna go on the building and have a new life. It's just a fabulous project because not only are we using fabric that has sat in people's shelves for years, but we're also getting people in the community talking. I've exchanged phone numbers with at least five people here today, which I think is a fabulous way of building connections. So going back in time, my great-grandmother was in the Midwest at the point in time of the depth of the Depression. Everything was used. Her name was written on rail cars in the Midwest. 
of at this mile marker, North Dakota, get off, walk X mile north, and Mary Libano would, would feed you. And not only would she feed you, she made everything, shirts for her husband, quilts, we have quilts from her era. Over time, her daughter, my grandmother, went to classes to learn how to make um, tailoring. So she would buy good wool, tailor a winter coat, and from the Midwest, it had to be heavy, so you'd have lamb's wool inside as a lining, plus the liner. And as a small child, she would teach us of how to do the hand stitching to get the collar to roll, how to do the cuffs on it. And then over time, growing up, we were very, very poor. So a wonderful event in the summer was called Crazy Days, where everyone would sell things at a very low price. And my mother would buy fabric for a penny an inch. So it would be 36 cents for a yard of fabric. That would be our stock up, and we would be making our clothes off from that fabric. So my mom sewed, whether it was skirts, dresses, shirts. I made shirts for my younger brothers. And that was a tradition carried on in, in the family. I remember the first time I had something store-bought from the store that no one had ever worn before. It was usually made by my mom. And then as small children, we were given fabric scraps, a long string of thread tied onto a needle, and we would, I use air quotes, sew clothes for our dolls, but it would be permanently sewn onto the doll, and if we'd want to change the clothes, we'd use the scissors and cut it off. And then as you get older, you learn how to set in the sleeves, do all of those things. And my mother, who did not want us to look like we were poor and wearing homemade stuff, was meticulous on details of the hem needed to be straight. So after supper in the night, she would have us put on a skirt or a dress. We'd stand up on the table. She'd use the yardstick and then move our leg to turn to make sure that the skirt hem or whatever it was that we're wearing was straight. So by the time we actually learned to sew formally in school and home economics, we had learned far more from mom and, and grandma. Marianne Chicatelli. I grew up in Rexburg, Idaho. Currently I live in Pelham, New York. And I've been here for back in the East for, well, in New York for 20 plus years. Um, I grew up, my mother was really into sewing. The youngest, probably some of the youngest memories I have as quilting is she would put up a quilt on the quilting frames and invite women over to quilt. And we, I remember going underneath, playing underneath the quilting frame, and we would hit the quilting frame, hit the quilt, and they'd be quilting by hand, and they wouldn't like it because then they'd prick their needles in that, fingers with the needles. So, And I actually have a picture of probably I'm about three or four, just barely old enough, looking over the... The quilting frame and my mom and my sisters and I are in this picture so that's a tender moment. I have six generations of quilts in my home. So I have my great-grandmother's quilt, my, the gra my quilt my grandmother made for me, quilts that my mother's made, quilts that I've made, a couple of quilts that my daughters have made, and a quilt that my granddaughter made when she was five years old. So six generations. Um, so I started sewing when I was like in third grade. And one thing I remember is my mother would always unpick my mistakes. She'd send me out to sew, I mean outside to play, take a take my mistakes out and then so I had a real positive experience and then as the time went along 
I thought that I needed something unpicked. My mother didn't, so then I had to start unpicking for myself. Um, I teach children's sewing classes um, after school, during the school year. So kids from seven years on up through high school come and can attend sewing classes. They come for an hour at a time. They, I have in my basement, there's six sewing machines set up. So each student, there can be six kids in a class. Um, it's a self-paced program. So I can have beginner students with advanced students. And it really is fun as the older students or the ones that have been there a little bit longer can then turn around when I'm helping someone else and if somebody needs a help then they start helping the younger students and that's when you're like they really get this three months ago I had a total knee replacement and a couple of weeks after that I was down sewing and I was trying to do something I was trying to work on these pajama quilt blocks and it was just too creative I, I wasn't physically ready to do that so I pulled out another project that was just kind of put squares together and it was just it really was just therapeutic to just sit there and, and hear the hum of the machine and just see the colors come together and I did that and I called that quilt color therapy because it's out of all these bright colors so when I wasn't at physical therapy or rehabbing I was working on my color therapy or working with the quilt. Thank you for listening to Sewing Community. Please join us for next week's episode, which will feature Peggy Robinson, Nandita Singha, and Catherine Craig Gaffner.